Yes, we're still in the book of Ephesians. We're right smack dab in the middle in chapter 4, uh, and we're going to talk about growing up. I mean, I don't want to hear your stories of growing up. No, I kind of do, uh, but not right now. But as we grow up, hopefully, you know, we learn some things, right? Where uh, Hopefully, you know more now than you did when you were seven right? Uh, Hopefully you live your life a little differently than you did when you were seven because of the insight that you've gained, because of the things that you've learned. And and, uh, and, and along the way, you know, we do learn a lot of things. I ran across uh, uh, some things in my files that I've kind of amassed over the years of of a list of of things that, that kids have learned. Uh, and uh, it's kind of a kind of a fun little thing. Uh, great truths learned by children. The first one is this: No matter how hard you try, you can't baptize cats. We have two that could stand to be baptized uh, at different times, or at least, or maybe my attitude needs to be in dealing with it. But uh, so there won't be any cats here in a couple of weeks. Uh, another thing that the kids have learned: if your sister hits you, don't hit her back. They always catch the second person. Another thing: never ask your three-year-old brother to hold a tomato. I mean. I, th- I think these are things that, you know, have learned from experience. Um, anyway, uh, I, can, I can imagine where that came from. You can't trust dogs to watch your food. This is a truth of life that children have learned. Don't sneeze while someone is cutting your hair. This is a truth that's important. Some of you may have... No, I'm just kidding. That's a, uh, never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. This is, a, these are, this is an important thing to, to build your life on. School lunches do, in fact, stick to walls. This is something that children have learned. You can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Um, I never tried to hide it there, but I did kind of slip. And Maybe another truth that I learned is uh, our little beagle mix back in the day when I was eight didn't like broccoli, so I found that out. Um, and here's, here's the last one. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. This is, uh, this is an important truth of life. So kids learn things over time. Whether it's in school or through experience or whatever, they're always learning and growing and hopefully they're maturing in, in many ways. And I think that's emphasized uh, greatly uh, during the summer months. Maybe you guys have, uh, have had time for reunions and time with family maybe you hadn't seen in a while. And, and then you get together and, and you're like, you almost have to be reintroduced to some of the nieces and nephews and cousins, right? Because they were, they were this big the last time you saw them and now they're this big and you hardly recognize them because they're growing up, right? It's inherent. Growing is inherent to life as a child. And just like children, we as Christians, as followers of God, as children of God, we should always be learning and growing and maturing in our relationship with God. It's part of who we are. So we've been marching through Ephesians and we've been talking about our identity as, as followers of Jesus. Who are we uh, as, in, as related to, uh, to who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And, and, and if you remember, maybe, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, I'll remind you anyway. Two weeks ago, we, uh, we kind of turned a corner. So the beginning of chapter 4, uh, there's, there's this turn, this change from, from a lot of theological principles in chapters 1 through 3. And then in chapter 4, it, it kind of starts fleshing that out. Paul starts saying, well... Well, because, uh, because we believe those things, this is how that looks. This is how we should, should live because of that. And so, uh, so we, we, our identity, who we are, affects how we live. 
And, uh, and so Paul is writing this letter and he says that we need to, uh, in the beginning of chapter 4, it says we need to live up to the calling that we've received. So if you've chosen to follow Jesus, if you're committed to living for him, if you're, you're, uh, uh, you've, you've been adopted into his family. And so we've, we've uh, realized that Paul is saying this is who you are. And he said that, that you're redeemed. He said, well, a lot of the things we saw in the video just a minute ago, the, the Holy Spirit is living within you. You're, you're, you're holy. Uh, Jesus is making his home in your heart. And, and so he says, because of all that, um, these are the things you're called to. These are, this is who you are. Live like it. Live up to the calling that you've received. And, and so last time, a couple weeks ago, we saw that the first thing that Paul emphasized as he turns this corner and he says, this is what this looks like. The first thing that he said this looks like is unity. Uh, we need to be unified. We're in this together. We're going to live this out together. But then right on the heels of that, as we go into the next passage, we're going to see that it also involves that, that part of living this out is that we're going to always be growing growing in our relationships with God and with each other. Living out what it means to be a child of God, it means that we're growing closer to him all the time. We're, 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 we're just starting a relationship is not enough. I had enough uh, six-week dating relationships in high school to know that it's one thing to start a relationship, it's another thing to keep it going. Uh, it, it took me a while to figure that out. Uh, the Bible uses the metaphor over and over again of, of, uh, of life and growth as related to our spirituality. We should always be growing up in our faith. We can't become stagnant. And so that's kind of the major theme of this next uh, portion of, uh, of Scripture here in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11 and we'll read verses 11 through 16. Paul's writing to the, the church in, in Ephesus and he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up, grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its So there's some phrases in there. Become mature, no longer infants. Grow up into him. The whole body grows and builds itself up. Uh, you get the distinct impression that, that, that God doesn't want us to become stagnant in our relationship with him, but, he, but we need to grow. We need to be growing up in our relationship with God. Next week, uh, maybe, maybe uh, in a couple of weeks, all around town, Bus stops will be flooded with tears as moms send their precious babies off to kindergarten for the first time. It's quite a milestone. I still remember those little legs and those huge bus steps and those kids of mine climbing up into the, into the big seat, that you know, the back of the seat's here and their little head is like here, you know, dangling their legs. I mean, they were home again in like two hours. Come on, right? No, no I'm just kidding. It's a big milestone, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and you get this sense that time has just passed too quickly, and oh my goodness, it's already, already here. Of course, there are other milestones 
losing teeth, uh, growing out of clothes, moving on to middle school, moving on to high school. Our youngest just graduated, and some of, some of you are in that boat as well. I, I mean, there were tears, okay? It was, a, it was a milestone. It was a it was a big deal. As much as Nick told us not to cry, I have to say I got a little misty a couple of times, okay? But, but, but no matter how much we, we tend to mourn the passing of time, getting, getting misty-eyed at these kids growing up, we still know that that's how it should be, right? I mean, that's, that's the plan. They should be reaching those milestones, or then we know that something is wrong. Well, we can get a little misty about it, that's fine, but, but we know that something's wrong if they're not making those... Physical growth, from the time they're born, the doctors are, are measuring and weighing and, and uh, all sorts of things. And there's percentiles and charts and, and there's, you, you put marks on the wall and, and uh, measure how, how, uh, how they're growing, right? We're, we're always looking for those milestones. Uh, mentally, they're always growing or maturing in, in what they know and, and what they understand and, and all those kinds of things and what they can do, what they've learned to do. And, and so we see those milestones as they grow and they mature. And behaviorally, how they act, hopefully... Hopefully a 10-year-old doesn't act the same as a 2-year-old. Uh, and, and if they do, then, you know, we say, wow, there's a, there's a problem here. We need to, if, if they're not making progress, if they're not hitting those milestones, then we know that something's wrong. And the, and the same is true for us as followers of Christ. We, we have to always be making progress, growing spiritually. Uh, there's a diagnosis that, that the doctors sometimes give to children that's, um, who are significantly below those averages. So they, they weigh and measure and, and do all sorts of things, and, and, uh, and, and they measure against uh, kids of the same age and the same gender and the same ethnicity, and, and they kind of say, well, they're kind of fitting in you know, here and whatever. But there's a, there's a diagnosis they can come up with if, if, if they're not on the chart anywhere, and, and a lot of times it's called, uh, they, they can diagnose a child with failure to thrive. You've probably heard of that before. Uh, and there, there are a couple of, of key factors that they look for in determining that, uh, that, that, that children, children who have this condition, their failure to thrive. One is, is a, a set of medical or biological factors, right? And, and so failure to thrive might alert doctors to a medical condition that they were unaware of. And, and so there, you know, there are disorders that, that, that can cause children to fail to thrive, th- thyroid issues and chromosomal problems and, and, and long-term infections and, and those kinds of things. It could be a, a, a medical issue. And, and so measuring and weighing and all that can, can alert the doctors to some, some way to treat them medically. Uh, there's another set of factors that can cause failure to thrive, and they're not so much medical as they are environmental. Emotional or physical withdrawal of a parent, uh, poor feeding or nurturing, even physical and emotional abuse can cause a child to fail to thrive. And so in, in one article, uh, it, it kind of sums it up this way. It says, if the period of failure to thrive has been short and the cause is determined and can be corrected, normal growth and development will resume. If failure to thrive is prolonged, the effects may be long-lasting and normal growth and development may not be achieved and may result in permanent mental, emotional, or, and or physical Delays. In other words, otherwise, unhe- otherwise healthy children can fail to thrive if they are uh, in the wrong environment. If they're not in the right environment. If they're not given the, the, the right things in order to thrive. And unfortunately, I think many people in the church today can be diagnosed with a similar condition. Failure to thrive spiritually. 
It can be caused by not participating in the right nurturing environment, environment for growth. And that environment, according to the passage we just read, uh, that environment in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, what Paul says, is the church, the family of God. And that's where we grow. That's where we thrive spiritually. Of course, each of us has to have the the drive, the hunger to grow spiritually. I can't make you grow, and the church can't make it happen, and just attending services and events without an inner motivation won't uh, get you to the place of of thriving in your spiritual life. Just reading a devotional book every day won't automatically cause it to happen. You you have to want to. There's got to be that that desire, but but once you have that motivation, the, the, the drive, the hunger for God, it's essential then to be involved in a body of believers in the church. Church. That's where we are equipped. That's where we are built up, Paul says. That is where, this is where we mature. If we're not maturing, Paul says, we're still like infants. And in order to understand what he means, he uses a couple of, so first of all, he's saying that we're infants, that we haven't grown up at all, so that paints one whole picture, but then he uses a couple other metaphors from nature to, uh, to talk about, well, well, what are we looking for if we're, to, to see whether we're, uh, we're growing or not? If we haven't grown, what, what is this like? And he says, well, it's a, a lot like uh, tossing back and forth in the waves or blowing through the air like a windswept leaf, and we're just kind of going all over the place. When I was, um, I think I was late elementary school, our church sent a group of us to, uh, to summer camp. It was a different camp. We never did it before or since, uh, or, you know, before that time, and it just kind of a, a one-and-done kind of thing, but, but it, was a, it was a camp. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. It's, it's on uh, Kelly's Island. It's called Camp Patmos, and we went to Camp Patmos, and I think I was probably, I don't know, third grade, fourth grade, something like that, and... Um, of course, it's on an island, so we had to go on a boat on the ferry to get over there. And uh, some of you have done that and hit the islands and done all the stuff up there. But I, I don't remember a lot about that week. There are certain things and pictures and, and, and uh, you know, images that come to mind about that, that week of camp. But uh, I do remember uh, the, the, the trip over to the island was kind of cool. This was a pretty unique thing, right? We got to be on this big boat, what I thought as a uh, third or fourth grader was a was a big boat, and it was it was just an amazing day. And the the seagulls are flying and squawking, and the the uh, you know the, there's a breeze, just a slight breeze blowing, and the water's just and we're just going in. And and everyone uh, you know some of them, a lot of them had been there before, and they knew uh, how to get on the boat quick and get to the right spots. And so they're you know all around the uh, the the outside, people are lined up watching and enjoying. And then there's benches out, out on the deck, and and uh, I wasn't quick enough and didn't really know. Uh, to do that, so I didn't find, didn't get a good prime spot, but uh, still enjoyed the, the the trip over anyway. And so anyway, we had a great week of camp, and I again I still remember uh, some things about that uh, about that week, and 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 it was a good experience. And then it was time at the end of the week to board that boat and to go back, and and I wanted to make sure that I got a good seat on the deck on one of those benches or along the rail so that I could enjoy this trip back across the uh, you know Lake Erie I hadn't really paid attention to the weather though and it was kind of a drippy uh, overcast windy day and um, turns out I really didn't have to be first in line in order to get a spot out on the deck on that trip back 
Um, the, the, the trip back from Kelly's Island uh, was quite memorable. Uh, obviously, I'm still talking about it, uh, and that was a couple of years ago, you know? As, the, as my favorite line from a Seinfeld episode goes, the sea was angry that day, my friends. And that is, although it wasn't the sea, it felt like it. And uh, as we headed out, we're going into the wind, and the boat is, you know, these waves, I don't know, you know, I, third or fourth grade, probably was not as bad as what I'm, what I, but this is how it is in my mind. And literally, you know, this big ferry boat, and we're hitting the wave, you know, and like you do, but it's this big, huge boat, and we're going into the waves, and the waves are, and we're, and, and it's, whoa, okay, right? And it's drippy and whatever, and, and um, I, didn't, I didn't last on the deck all that long. Um, but I remember distinctly, oh, at one point we turned. So instead of going into the, uh, the waves, now we're going this way and the waves are coming at us. And literally the boat is, I mean, going down and you're seeing, you know, it's coming and you just know that it's going to wash over the deck and we're all going to be killed, right? And, um, but we'd all been to camp, so all was well, right? We're, we knew where we were going if we were. Uh, but... Um, so literally, I mean, I, I still remember, I can picture it in my head, the, the, the boat would go down and, the, and the, the surface would come up and just a few, you know, just a foot or so from the deck, and then it would go the other way. And, all, and, and uh, so I very quickly, I made my way inside the cabin where, uh, where I could hang on a little bit, and I wasn't getting wet and all those sorts of things. And, and uh, I, I also remember thinking, does this guy know whether we can even make it? I mean, this is pretty dangerous, you know. But, uh, and I also learned quickly that not an, another place not to sit, and that was near the track can because that was turning into uh, you know motion sickness area and uh, didn't want to be anywhere close to I, I didn't get sick but a lot of other people were uh, I did not I don't remember during that week of camp going down to the altar but I did a lot of praying on the trip home I'm just that's that's my testimony I, I tell you that story to simply say that I know what it's like to be tossed back and forth by the waves. And it's not a very fun way to live. Uh, Ephesians 4 says that that is a picture of an immature follower of Jesus who is swayed or tossed around by every idea or theology or belief system. They haven't really dug into things themselves, and so every wave takes them in a different direction. And if you find yourself being tossed about, uh, jumping from one belief system to another, it's a sign that you've got some spiritual growing up to do. And so what's the antidote to that? How do we, how do we uh, not be tossed about? Well, it's growing up. Well, what, how does that happen? Uh, according to this passage, we need to anchor ourselves in truth and love. In the church, the body of Christ is a place of truth and a place of love where we anchor ourselves and we're no longer blown about and tossed around by the wind and the waves. I'm not saying that there's no room for, for searching or, or working through your doubts or, or learning and growing as you walk with Christ. We, we have to do that. We will, we will never know everything or fully understand how God works completely until we reach heaven. But, but we don't have to just stab in the dark. We don't have to go along with every uh, crazy idea that people might talk about. We can be anchored in the truth as we live our lives in love with each other. Uh, in the spring, maybe you remember uh, our, our series where, where, uh, called God Never Said That. Uh, 
And we kind of address some of these things, ways that people live that kind of sound okay and kind of sound good, but, but can really blow us off course if we're not careful. And, and, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I tend to find it a lot of times in, um, in, in movies where they'll, they'll espouse certain things, and if you think about the, the, the philosophy or the, the rule of life underneath it, you go, you know what, that really doesn't, that doesn't but it sounds good on the surface, and, and we can get blown around over here, blown around over there, and, and so we've got to be anchored in the truth to know when, uh, when we're being blown off course and get back to it. We can't get pulled into bad theology by people and by our society who don't know any better. We have to dive into the truth. How do we do that? Well, we do that in the environment of the church, the body of Christ, where together we learn and grow uh, as we individually are, are reading our Bibles and, and we're, we're studying what God says and, and we're praying and, and talking with him and, and we're asking questions and, and we're living life together with each other. Uh, this is one of the primary reasons that the church exists and has existed for a couple thousand years. We grow up together as we speak the truth in love to each other. One reason we need each other in the church is so that we stay on track with the truths of God and we don't get blown around by all the mumbo-jumbo that, that, that sounds kind of okay on the surface but doesn't match what the Bible says. If you don't dig into God's word, if you're not studying and learning and, uh, and developing those learning relationships with other people, uh, Paul says you're not going to become mature. That you're just going to blow around from one thing to the next to the next. So if we get back to our identity, who are you? You are the growing body of Christ. Together, we are speaking the truth, learning the truth in love. The first part of this passage we, we, uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago talks about unity, being one. We're one. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's, that's the beginning part there. And, and we're all unified in, in God. And, and uh, yet this part emphasizes our diversity. Yes, we're all one. We're unified in, under God and we're unified in, in his purpose for our lives. But we're also all very different. Unity and diversity, both together at the same time. Each of us has a specific calling. God made you, and uh, we saw this earlier in, the, in the, uh, the letter here in Ephesians, God made you as an original masterpiece. He's created good things for you to do in the world. But we're all different. We different gifts, different talents, different abilities. Uh, but, but we're all on the same team. We're part of the same engine. We're, uh, we're part of the same body. We're accomplishing God's mission in the world. We, we live to love people to love. Life, and and you have a part to play and you have a part to play and you have a part to play and I have a part to and and we're all we're serving uh, you serve in one way I serve in another and together we grow up and we are filled to overflowing with Jesus presence and Jesus character we are part of the growing body of Christ to talk about all this growing means that that we have an all that, that we're all a work in progress Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a work in progress. No, I mean it, really. You are, no, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't get mean about it. 
we can, we can have a level of maturity but continue to be maturing, right? We're always growing. We're always mature. Even Paul said, Philippians chapter 3, he says, not that I've already obtained all this or already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm still pressing on. Yes, he was, a man, he's mature, and yet he's still growing. If, if, he, if Paul was mature, certainly uh, I've got some maturing and growing to do. So, so while you're uh, encouraging others to grow up, maybe, maybe you can hear a message like this and you go, yeah, all these people around me, they really need to grow up in their faith, but I've kind of arrived by now, so uh, I'm good. We're all a work in progress. As we're encouraging others to grow up in their faith, remember that, that we're all on a journey. And what is, what is important is not necessarily how far each of us have gotten down the road, but that we're progressing down the road, that we are growing up, that we are developing, that we're growing, that we're heading in the right direction. D.L. Moody put it this way. He said, a tree may be perfect in the first year of growth, but it has not attained maturity. So with the Christian, he may be a true child of God, but not a matured Christian. So we can be in right relationship with God right now. I can be as close to God today as I can be today, but hopefully next week I'm going to be closer. And hopefully next year I'm going to be closer than that. Because together we're going to, to, to speak the truth in love. We're going to he- keep each other accountable. We're going to learn and study together and we're going to grow up in our faith and become mature. Growing doesn't happen by accident. I, well, and, and I guess we think of kids, we'll think, well, they, they just grow, that's just how they are, but uh, we are, I already mentioned the whole failure to thrive thing, there takes a, a good environment, and there's a different be, difference between growing up and maturity, right? Um, there, there's a difference in, in, in truly internalizing what it means to grow up. John Maxwell uh, said, growth is a choice. So here's a question. What are you intentionally doing with the express purpose of growing in your relationship with God. You don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to think about it, and I I want you to see if there's an answer or if there's anything you could add to the list. What is it that you are intentionally doing, maybe daily, maybe weekly, maybe a service like this is part of your answer. What is it that you are intentionally doing with the express purpose of growing in your relationship with God? Because I think... A whole lot of people talk about God and show up at church sometimes, but they're not all that intentional about growth. Paul says part of this whole, this whole thing of being in Jesus' family, this whole thing of, of, uh, of being a part of the family of God and being redeemed and, and set apart and all these things, the, the, the part of this whole deal is that it's just... It, You are invested in maturing, growing, building, building yourself and being a part of building up others. He lists several different things, uh, uh, teachers and and pastors and and, uh, and evangelists and all that, just emphasizing some of the different ways that that some of us, but we all do that with the express purpose of growing each other up as each of us does our own part. The number one environment where spiritual growth is supposed to happen is in the community of the body of Christ in the church. As we partner with like-minded people who, who want to grow and want to help us grow, who, who are loving us, we'll all benefit from that. The church is the place 
where we grow in the love of God. It says the whole body grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. I want us to do something a little different uh, today. I think maybe maybe a long time ago we did something like this, but um, I, I want us at the, the close here, I want us to make a circle around the, uh, around the chairs if we can. So that means wake up your neighbor next to you and uh, uh, we need to be in a circle so that we're like arm's distance from each other. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be close enough to be able to put your right hand on the person next to you. Just your right hand on the person next to you. First, I want you to feel the hand that is resting on your shoulder. Sense that hand touching you. And as you do, I want you to realize that the hand resting on your shoulder represents the hand of God through the church, reaching out to you, the body of Christ. You experience a closer and closer relationship with God when you take part in the church. You experience him here through each other. So even as you're focused specifically on on a hand on your shoulder, take a moment within yourself to thank God for being a member of the body of Christ and what that means to you, what that has meant to you in the past, how God has, has shown up for you through the church, the fellowship and the relationships, the, the burdens that have been carried, the, the joys that have been celebrated, the body of Christ at work. And now, even as you're, uh, you're thanking God for the church and how it has benefited you, I want you to think now more about your hand on the shoulder that, uh, that you are touching. Consider the other side of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. What does it mean that God wants to reach others through your touch, through your life? Is your hand, is this, uh, this metaphor, does it, is it really saying, yes, I'm here for you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help you grow, to help you experience the love of God. Are you willing for God to use your hand, to do, use your life uh, to influence others in this body of believers. Take, take a moment to ask God to help you see how you can benefit others in his body. This activity is just one little picture of the two-sided nature of the church. It's a place where we grow and where we help others grow, where we receive life even as we are giving life where we are encouraging even as we are being encouraged, where we are healing even as we are being healed. Father God, we thank you for the gift of the church, your body here on earth. We thank you that we don't have to be blown around by the wind and the waves, but that we can anchor ourselves in the truth of your love. And that we have a very real concrete way to do that. And that's called the church, the body of Christ. I pray that you will will speak to us even in these moments or through this week, Lord. That you'll help us to, to sense and know what our involvement needs to be in your body. Maybe we need to be, uh, be, uh, 
more active in our ministry and service. Maybe, maybe we need to be praying more for the people that we, uh, that we see each week. Maybe we need to be more involved in the, uh, in the, the regular services and activities and not just uh, every once in a while. We need to see that not only are we here for our benefit, but that we are here for God, for you to benefit others through us. So Lord, I pray that as we go from here, that, that we won't just, just go uh, wonder, wondering why in the world we made a circle at church today, but that we would go knowing that we are your hand in the world, that we are receiving your love even as we are giving it, that we are bringing your touch even as you touch us through the lives around us. I pray that as we go from here, we can go rejoicing in the fact that we are part of of your family and that uh, you have great things for us to do. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the church in general and for this local church and all that you have for us to accomplish uh, in this corner of the world where you placed us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.